We all have our own path to walk. It may be obstructed, it may be winding, and no doubt it will have peaks and valleys, but it is ours alone. Like onlookers at a marathon, friends and family can offer encouragement along the way, but ultimately we decide the trajectory that we take. In this series, Juliet Doris Williams offers a clear view from her path that may inform your decisions as you move toward finding your faith. One part spirituality, one part real world practicality, and a serious splash of fun. Here's Juliet. Hi, I'm Juliet, and welcome to Finding Faith. I'm the author of two books, one of which is Leaving Church, Finding Faith, Six Steps for Discovering Your Purpose in the World After Leaving the Christian Church, and the primary focus of this podcast. You can find both books and how to contact me on my website at julietdoriswilliams.com. And I am here in this space chatting with you about the book and other things that may bubble up when we are talking about faith and life and how those two things intersect. Because if you are at all like me, they always, always intersect. Hello there, friends. We are back from a little break. Glad you are listening. Over the past months, you've been listening only to my voice here on the Finding Faith podcast. With this episode, we are going to change it up a little and invite different voices into this space to talk about, to talk with us about life with, with faith as the ever-present backdrop. Not everyone that we talk to will have done the leaving church part, but all will have their own story to share about how their relationship with church institution has impacted them. So first up at bat is my very good friend, Derek J. Kirkland. Derek is an Ohio certified peer recovery supporter. He is super involved in his community, particularly his peer recovery community. He is a trainer, an online peer support group facilitator, a 12-step sponsor, and so much more. And full disclosure, we also work together. So he's doing great and wonderful things at the agency that we both call home. But today, we are taking off taking off all our hats and simply being in this space as brother and sister travelers on the way. So welcome to Finding Faith podcast, Derek. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for the invitation, Juliet. Oh, thank you for agreeing. Thank you for agreeing. So Derek, when I first shared with you that I had written this book, you were one of the first people to let me know that you wanted this book. And not the ebook, because I tried to get you to go to get the ebook. You were adamant about wanting the print book and for me to let you know when it was published. And frankly, that was some motivation for me to get the process done because I was completely off my timeline for publishing the print book. So thank you for that. Um, so, but when I got the print version done and finally had it in stock, I made sure that you got your copy and you gave me some immediate heartfelt feedback about it. So what was it that you found so compelling about the topic? Uh, The topic was was so compelling because of the pros and cons that had to be weighed prior to exiting um, the church. 
Uh, also, um, you spoke about the institution of the church versus the community of the church. And it hit me like a ton of bricks because for years, I thought I had a, a, a lot of religion uh, per se, but um, I found out later that uh, I didn't need a, a, a quantity of religion, I need a quality of religion. And so I didn't get that to later on until I found myself in the 12 step program and found the true meaning of what, re what recovery and spirituality is. So that's, that's interesting, the qualitative versus the quantitative. Can you say more about that? Yes, because yeah, I did a lot of church hopping mm. and a lot of Bible study and Sunday school and, and things of that nature, but a lot of it just didn't resonate. I was just in motion, uh, going from this church to that church, uh, being a part of uh, this uh, congregation or that congregation, and things were always up and down and changing until I had an opportunity just to be still. Uh, scripture talks about being still and know that he's God. And I, mm. and I got there when I finally surrendered. You mentioned uh, in, in your book about uh, surrendering, uh, surrendering the familiar term of people of faith. And I didn't grasp that until I found myself in recovery uh, that had to concede to my animal self. Uh, that I am who I am and the things that were one of my life was not of God. And so I had to surrender to those things and turn my will, my life over to his care. So sounds like similar, similar story about, um, I, I realized actually long before I actually left church, I realized that I was doing a lot of church rather than being church. Mm -hmm. And those are two very different distinctions, doing church versus being church or being the church, as, as we know. So you, you've, you've mentioned recovery um, and, and how that impacted your journey. Can you, can you, can you share, share with us more about that and, and this, the, the connection with your recovery and your spirituality? Yes, uh, I, I remember a song that, speaks of drawing me near your rugged cross and and what my recovery has done is drawn me nearer to God uh, drawn me nearer to building a better relationship with God as I understand him and not as the institution understands him wow wow and do you have um because I know we talked about you know the the stuff that you do out in the community your 12-step groups so do you, do you talk about that and how that um, maybe integrates um, all those two things? How, how do you talk to your, to your, your fellow uh, other travelers on the, on the recovery way? How do you talk to them about that? I, I share with them about uh, uh, the spirituality of recovery, having that personal relationship, uh, because a lot of people think God is way out somewhere way out in the universe where my God is right here. Yeah. Arms reach. He's right here. Yeah. Omnipotent, omnipresent God is the one that I serve. And so I, I share with them that stories I had along the way, a, a gentleman by the name of Mr. Clarence Williams, Reverend Clarence Williams, 40 years sober, not called synonymous. I, I stumbled into a room and I, and I know it was divine intervention because he sat me down and he shared with me his story 
his journey and his alcoholism and how he had been shot, stabbed. Hmm. He opened up his robe sitting at his dining room table and he cried tears. He's cried tears while doing God's bidding, carrying the message to me who was still suffering from drug, alcoholism and mental illness. And he said, Derek, quit playing with God before he takes his hands off of you. This is a gentleman who had gone to treatment four times, who used to sleep on the church steps where he'd become an associate pastor of. And he, it, it just happened. It was so spiritual. I, if I would have known it was his apartment, I probably would have gone the other way. But I was with a friend. And so God set me down in front of Mr. Clarence Grimm to share that with me because he had to protest uh, against the uh, organization at uh, a renowned treatment center here, men treatment center here in Columbus, Ohio, called the House of Hope, to have God mentioned in recovery. Just ah. God spiritually in recovery because they didn't want any connection with just God uh, uh, in their organization during that time. And so they've been around since the 50s. But yeah, that gentleman uh, became the head counselor of, house, of the House of Hope. That's Mr. awesome. Williams. Yes. That's awesome. And so, yes. And, you know, our, our listeners may not, uh, I mean, we're, we're well-versed in, uh, steeped in nonprofit world. And so um, nonprofits um, like ours and, and some like, not like ours, ha- struggle with how to uh, talk about God and how to talk about spirituality in a way that is um, safe, safe for everyone and welcoming. Um, I think we've, we figured that out at, at, uh, at our agency. So I, <laughs> I think we've yes. figured that out and we've got that down. So, um, but, but I, I, I understand and I've, I've been a part of those conversations um, too. So, Back to the church part, what, what, what challenges were you experiencing? You said that you did a lot of church hopping. Uh, well, yeah, just to find my fit, you know, mm-hmm. uh, did I want to be in the bench choir? Do I want, did I want to become a deacon or do I want to be an usher? Where, where did I fit in the church or, or do you, did I just want to be within the congregation and just be a member uh, so I, I, I found a church uh, uh, after I had surrendered, uh, and it was the Salvation Army organization, mm-hmm. and, and I found myself, and I found my place uh, in that church, and they didn't have a great expectation of me. And they were just happy that I was there, a part of, of their organization, and so I, I started a breakfast menu, uh, breakfast ministry ah. uh, in that uh, church and it uh it lasted seven years prior to COVID. Ah. yeah and, and so yeah and uh i really found my groove uh, if you want to say uh my groove in that church where i could receive the spirituality that i needed to connect with god because i didn't have to become a theologian i didn't have to do that because at one time i thought that was the expectation Derek, you need to know every verse you need to know every book from you know, front to back. And, mm-hmm. and so I found myself lost because I was church hopping. So I didn't grasp that understanding. And so I got there and I had an opportunity to read the Bible from cover to cover. Uh, we had this um, handout that they gave you and you can read uh, a portion of the Bible daily until you get to the end from 
the Old Testament through the New Testament. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've taken that journey a couple of times. So yeah. very, very insightful. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned you, you mentioned COVID. I was going to talk, we were going to talk about COVID a little later, but uh, since you brought it up, um, the, um, and, and I, I need to tell you, I don't, you don't know this, but um, I started this podcast right at the height of COVID last summer, uh, summer of 2020. And, and so my, uh, occasionally it feels like the COVID chronicles because, um, so when I'm talking about, you know, life, real life, then this is what real life looks like right now. Um, and we cannot ignore COVID in, in this, in this real life, because, it is, it is our, all of our lives. We're all impacted by it. Um, and so how you said you're, you were doing your breakfast ministry until COVID hit. So how has your, um, uh, church journey, your faith journey, how has that been impacted by COVID? Well, well, it it has been impacted, but I, I just, I had to hold on, um, uh, being that uh, all the recovery places had shut down, church had shut down, uh, everyone was either on um, Zoom or YouTube or Facebook Live, uh, having church service. And after using church and 12 staff to grow spiritually, I felt that disconnection. It's something about being in person, it's something about being able to embrace uh, the parishioners and your brothers and sisters in Christ. Or, or, or those who are in 12 step to be able to shake their hand or even to embrace them because we were on the same journey and we just felt like family. And I didn't have to be the square peg trying to fit in a round hole. I fit because of being there and present and being loved and giving love. So, yeah, uh, it, it has. But uh, in the big book, Black Hawks Anonymous, Bill W. talks about when World War II took place and the AAers went off to war. And, mm-hmm. and, and they all came back sober. And so I had to hold on to the faith, the things hoped for, things unseen yes. uh, that I had with, with the humility and gratitude that had been given to me uh, on the spiritual journey. So I had to hold on to that and do what I can and, and could do uh, rather than jumping outside the bounds of spirituality and sobriety and my connection with the God of my understanding. So I held on to those two things, humility and gratitude. And to continue to work with others, if it was just in a circle, my sponsor, uh, my coworkers, or, or the, the guys that I'm a, who I sponsor even, and my church members who were always in connection with me, online text or phone calls. Yeah. So is it, is it still, I mean, we're, we're, we're not out of, out of COVID yet. So is it still it, that way? Are you still um, um, meeting in, in that, in online or uh, well, otherwise, but not in person? I had, I had started attending my, my wife's church and uh, they're back in uh, the, uh, the church uh, with social distancing, the way the seating is arranged. Yeah. And so, yeah. And just so recently I have decided not to attend because I felt spiritually in conflict with what's going on uh, within my marriage and the church. And so 
I had to step out. Uh, today I walk by faith. Um, I still get phone calls from old parishioners from the Salvation Army because sure. I was just supposed to have just gone away to do other work outside of the Salvation Army and then come back. And they had me in like a watch night type thing and to make sure I was okay. So Brother Dennis, who was a member of AA, he, he uh, met with me at a meeting out uh, on McKinley Avenue. And so we had an opportunity to talk about coming back to the Salvation Army. Yeah. And so, so challenge. So I'm, I'm. There's challenge here for you, for you with your uh, conflict and challenge um, with um, your expression of faith, maybe, or not not so much your sense of faith, but your expression of faith. Can you say more about that? About my expression of faith. Um, mm-hmm. My faith is connected to, to individuals who have uh, since uh, gone on uh, to glory. Uh, uh, Reverend Leroy C. Bush, uh, he was a pastor of mine. And for the first time in my life, um, I connected with a minister as his brother instead of as his parishioner. Uh, he pulled me aside one day and, and we prayed together. And he let me know, he said, he said, first, I'm your brother in Christ Jesus, not your pastor. Wow. And so that connected me that to, to see this gentleman who uh, is from Columbus, Ohio, played in the Columbus Negro Baseball League here, and, and to share with me uh, who he is to me. And, and the same level that we were on in, in, in Christ Jesus was just so, so awesome. It just sealed that faith because this same gentleman came out into the community to find me, to find his sheep when I was lost. Wow. He, yes, he came out knocking on those doors where the things were going on in those places of irrepute to get his brother out and to take his brother and clean him up and to bring him back home. Hmm. Yes. So that's both both doing church and being church is that's the same thing right there. So that's, that's, that's awesome. Um, So what, what, I mean, and I'm probably, you probably said this, but I'm going to ask it in a different way. Um, What feeds you? What feeds your faith? Are there um, any helpful faith practices that you particularly embrace? Keep a song in your heart. I, ah. Grandmother and I used to always say, keep a, keep a song in your heart. And, and, and my favorite song is, if it had not been for the Lord on my side, it comes out of Psalms, but it, someone turned it into a gospel song. Where would I be? Where would I be if it had not been for the Lord on my side? Wow. And so yeah. so song, some music. Yeah. I, I keep in my heart. Uh, uh, my 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 automobile radio is always on the spiritual channel. I've had to disconnect myself for, for various reasons so that I wouldn't be triggered or different things of that nature uh, because of where I come from and, it, and 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 being on the journey that I'm on. Uh, I had to leave some things behind. Yeah. So has has uh, p- part of the uh, part of the COVID question that I that I asked earlier also um, was. Going, I was going to ask you about the um, social 
unrest that has also been like the twin, the twin um, events, if I can, they're not even events because they're just ongoing right now. Um, how has that, I mean, those things have just come alive um, this year, rather, I guess now we're in the second year of, of all of that. So um, has, how has that impacted you and your life, your faith, uh, your journey? Well, it, it, it may sound like an oxymoron, but, but COVID has been a blessing uh, uh, to keep individuals in because of the civil unrest and the things that were going on. Uh, I was triggered. Um, my pastor, my, my former Salvation Army pastor, she's down at the Dayton Croc Center. Her name is Swaitha Vincent, Captain Swaitha Vincent. She called me. And she called me praying with me. She called me thanking me for being the uh, uh, African-American male who was her parishioner at one time, who was a part of her spiritual growth at one time. She just called crying and praying and thanking God for myself and Brother Dennis. And so, yeah, it, 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 and, and I was, and I got triggered and I was triggered because I had to reflect all the way back to 1985 when my uncle was killed. Um, uh, by the Atlanta Police Department. Um, and even further back than that, when I was a child, uh, a, lot, a lot of different things were happening uh, here in Columbus. Uh, um, police brutality was at an all-time high coming out of the early 70s uh, into the middle 70s uh, because uh, there was a guy by the name of Machine Gun Morgan who was shot up in elementary school that had been burglarized by some teenagers. And, and one had become my barber and he still had the scar of the bullet that graced his temple, mm-hmm. and the same individual uh, attacked a family at a very, at a very, uh, uh, with a five-star restaurant here in Columbus called the Kahiki, and Machine Gun Morgan was part of that, uh, uh, a brutal beating that they placed upon the individuals. It was a family, including a baby, that was in the arms of his mother that she dropped in that in that store because they just wanted to have their bill itemized, and they were. The police were called and they were brutally beaten right there in the restaurant. And so these things had become secondary traumas for me because I was there. I was the kid that watched TV, that watched news all the time and and that read the newspaper and all this stuff was just here. And so when it happened to my uncle, it was just something that just resonated in my spirit that that could have been me. Or even today, it, it can be me. So therefore, I'm still... Uh, I, I am still, I go to work, I come home, I participate. Uh, if there's a meeting that one want me to call out and speak to, or I'll talk to individuals on the phone, but I do not go out and about uh, too much after work unless it's necessary. And there's a dear friend of mine, he's on the corner of Maine, Maine and Hamilton or Broad and Hamilton, and he's protesting against the police brutality. Uh, he, he was standing up against our president and his rhetoric, and he has a microphone and speakers and everything set up. And, and so, yeah, I, I, I've been triggered. The 1969 riots, I started uh, a gentleman I was, was his paper boy. He was murdered on uh, the porch of, his, of, a, of a gentleman's dry cleaner because his two girls were playing on the man's front porch. And so he came around to see um, what was going on, and the man shot him with a shotgun and then stood over and shot him again with the shotgun. And so I come home from football practice in Main Street from Parsons Avenue to Nelson Road 
almost investigated, was just lined up with people protesting against the murder. And the 1969 riot started from there. So I remember the National Guard telling us we couldn't sit on our front porch and tear gas smell was throughout the neighborhood in the air and things of that nature going on. Yeah. Yeah. So my, I, my goodness. Yeah. I don't, I, um, gosh, you've taken us, taken, taken, taken us down a, a road here. Uh, when you first began talking about the secondary trauma, um, I don't think, I don't believe that people who are not, not African-American, not black folk, um, I don't know that they understand the trauma of being black in this country and the experiences, the shared experience, the shared cultural experiences that we have. I mean, it's not like 100% of us, but it is the vast majority of us, um, East Coast, West Coast, North, South, the experience is the same. There are similar, same similar experiences that we have, that we share in this, in this country. And um, the, there's, there's a whole conversation and we're not going to solve it here. Um, That's just going to take us down a whole other rabbit hole uh, talking about how the church has been that steady stalwart presence for for us and 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 it, it speaks to why the church is has been so important still is so important for for a great many um i think uh and of course i i wrote this book about leaving church um and uh, that's a that's a whole other story but it it does have something to do with the foundation because it's still it's I'm I'm not per se in church anymore, but the church is really just I'm just walking around with it because it's inside me. It's foundational. It is foundational. I, my my uh, when I promote the podcast, um, I use the hashtag churchy girl, and I've said that before in the podcast. I'm I'm still a churchy girl. I'm just not in in the church building. I'm not in church institution, yeah. but I'm still hashtag yeah. churchy girl. Yeah. And, um, and how, I don't know that, um, people in general understand how foundational and, um, healing, um, just, just that, that coming together process has been for black folks in, in, in the U S. And so, um, there's a whole other, and I'm sure there's, there's, a myriad of, of podcasts that are in books that have been written. I'm certain of it about, about this journey that uh, black people have been on and our relationship, very close relationship with church. Um, and I'm going to say church institution. I'm going to say church otherwise. So church <laughs> universal also. Yeah. Um, so very, yeah, that's, that's a whole other, whole other story, but um I will say for, for both of us that in, in times of trouble, uh, it was, it was church that helped us survive. Yeah. We survived. Yeah. So, um, and so, yeah, right, right, right there with you, <laughs> right there with you. 
So um, what else? Anything else you want to yeah, say? I, I, I can remember when the church was the focal point of our community and, and everything took place. When you socialize, there were church events that you socialize and participate in it. Uh, even to the only the only safe place, yeah, safe yeah, places yeah. where we could do those things. Uh, but, but here's a concern of mine: is that uh, church has not made their way back out into the community. They've gone inside, mm. and it, it, inside it's just to those who are sitting in the pews. And we we need more outreach. We need yep. more churches to step out. Um, Christ was among the people. He was not in the temple. He may have visited the temple, but he preached out among the people. He healed among the people. Okay, so that's just how I feel. Um, we need to get back out in the community and get connected with the community instead of being behind closed doors. Well, that's... Uh... <laughs> I think you summarized my book. So a little bit there. So that's kind of where my journey is right now. So um, that is, um, that's fascinating that we would come back to that, that point. So, but you're, but you're absolutely right. So, because uh, doing church is out here, out here, um, Mm -hmm. out there Mm -hmm. uh, in the world. It's, it's, it's not within the four walls of the building. And so, um, and I, I would uh, go so far as to say that I think that uh, what we do at our agency is a lot of uh, doing church, even though we absolutely do not call it that. Right. Um, we don't call it that at all, but right. we, are, we are out there uh, being, being the church for the people that we serve. And so, um, so yeah, hey, this is great. This was great. So um, one last time, anything else you want to say to our Finding Faith listeners? Well, the Finding Faith listeners is, is find your place in this world uh, to do God, God's bidding. Uh, I feel it was divine intervention that I have an opportunity to work for the organization that I do work for because I get to be a maximum service uh, to those who visit and participate our center and and to God, and so uh, I'm so forever grateful. Same, yeah. same. Yeah. So very inspiring, Derek, and I cannot thank you enough for being on the launch pad of this new phase of Finding Faith, and being ever so patient with me as we worked out all of the details. So thank you, thank you, thank you. You're welcome. That's all for now, friends. Thanks for listening. Until next time, this is Finding Faith.